Blog Talk Radio. It's October 4th, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where Reformers for Change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, a guest appearance by Tom, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Listen Now, and you may follow us on Twitter. Twitter. As COVID-19 continues to affect the world, our country, and UAW workplaces have all been affected with the illness to actually include the current president of the United States, Working for a Living extends our heartfelt condolences and prayers to the family, friends, and colleagues of all affected by this tragic disease. Let us observe a moment of silence as as we revere and remember all of the over 200,000 who have perished in the United States, and most especially our own fallen UAW members. Thank you. Um, Let's see. We were going to bring on Jeff, but I don't see Jeff here just yet. Not sure where my little buddy's at. We did have some changes in our... Uh, switchboard here. So let me see. Somebody sent me something a second ago. Oh, that's that's about. Getting anything, Jeff? Can you get logged in? I know you're there. You can hear me. Can you? Are you signed in, Jeff? Because I don't see you in the switchboard. Maybe that's not working with your new device. If it's plugged into your computer, you might have to go to phone uh, and do that. Anyhow, um, I'll go on uh, until I see him uh, in the uh, switchboard. So I don't, there's a number of people here, so I don't know, Jeff. Uh, try and call in directly. I know we, we're trying some stuff with Jeff. We've been uh, working on this for a little bit, but uh, he's he's got a new headset uh, that he's working on, and uh, if he's got it plugged in his computer, it might not be working. Uh, so if you can call in and just use it as a Bluetooth, Jeff, that might work. Anyhow, uh, uh, a text just come in on the phone. So... Let's uh, uh, start with the uh, um, email and comments. Um, uh, I, this is an email that came in. I noticed that you have the 2014 UAW annual fund pension report for General Motors for hourly workers. Wondered if you had the 2014 annual pension report for salaried workers. If so, could you send thanks? Um, name withheld because you know uh, you know the discretion we try to um, use here. Uh, we're sorry. Uh, we're hourly folk, and we get the hourly pension reports. I have not had that sent to me for the salary folks. Uh, we put it up because we we have those available uh, for the. Uh, most of the years, um, in you know, from 14 on for sure, and uh, uh, we don't have the salary one, so we apologize for that. Uh, and you know, it's just not our bailiwick. Uh, if somebody sends it in, you know, you can feel free if you happen to have that, the 14 or any of them for salary, 
Um, you know, let's go ahead and send them in to working for a living at working for a living. You know how it's spelled. Uh, working uh, with no G for a living with no G dot com. Or I'm sorry, yeah, at dot uh, working for a living dot com. So uh, that should uh, get that to us if anybody has them. We'll be happy to post them for you. Uh, we're not mad at some of the retirees uh, from the salary ranks. Uh, in fact, they're actually uh, allowed to join our our uh, retiree organizations uh, if you read the Constitution. So, um, uh, the other notice uh, on that uh, uh, matter is that September 30th uh, is the annual. Uh, Date for this is a snapshot. Hey, I'm looking for our friend there. Not sure. Uh, I'll here at least a second so we can get him some assistance and get Jeff in here properly. Um, Jeff says, I can hear you. Uh, one, lots of people saying, I can hear you. Uh, we're good with that. I don't know if everybody's uh, got the number. So. Just try and call that, Jeff. I'm not sure what's going on with the switchboard today. Uh, we, we've we got a few folks in here, but you're not here, my friend. So um, this, the getting back to the uh, matter of the snapshot day for September 30th, uh, that's the day that they uh, assess whether or not they're going to have to reduce the pensions, uh, and that affects Ford. Uh, FCA and General Motors. It's in all three contracts. When you look at the uh, engine plan, it's now listed as the uh, Pension Protection Act of 2006. And if the pension funding falls below 80%, you get the lesser of half of our pension and or the uh, calculated amount for the pension benefit Guarantee Corporation, PBGC, uh, and that's the government entity that would come in uh, if our pension uh, was no longer there. Uh, but that's how they calculate that. And uh, it's uh, real concerning that that language is uh, United States law that signed into law in 2006, but also that it is uh, in our agreements at least in the Detroit Three that we're aware of. And this is very concerning uh, in that, uh, you know, if we see pension funding, and that's what a market drop, and the thing doesn't go up forever, you know, we're not going to get into that tonight, but it doesn't go up forever, and it's been coming down a little bit lately. Uh, at some point, you might see some, some more, but if we survived, the good news is we survived September 30 of this year, so there will not be uh, a pension cut, at least in our opinion, on January 1st of 2021. So we'll see what actually uh, occurs in the end. So, um, so uh, having said that, uh, next email was the um, – we got an email from the Michigan Association of Broadcasters who reported they got a, a notice from the National Association of Broadcasters, and they sent us, working for a living, a request to remind everyone that this is census year, and be sure you fill out your census form or go online to do so. Also, they, they had indicated that so far in rural areas, the response has been very low from the Michigan Association, uh, 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 very low in the, um, uh, the rural areas. So, and that's from the Michigan Association Broadcasters. So, um, gosh, we're going to blow right through here real, real quick tonight because uh, this is just amazing. I don't know. Huh. Uh, okay, well. Uh, Jeff, you got a free one there, I think, looks like. <laughs> Let's see if you can uh, try and call. We'll have to do this uh, with you uh, some other time. I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so 
like to get you in here, but doesn't seem to be working, my friend. Yeah, so I I tried to call again, so I it's just not showing up for you. I'm not sure what's going on. We do have a couple of other callers in here, so somebody's getting through, but maybe they're they're doing something different. I'm not sure. But that's the number. I don't know either. We'll just we'll just continue to march. I I can't uh, bring you up, so we do have a couple in here. So few. Uh, so um, uh, let's go to definition. Um, definition: the fact that some people or groups are using words doesn't necessarily mean that they are saying anything, and that's by Craig D. Lounsbury or Lounsboro, uh, and um, that's kind of poignant for some of the stuff here. I'll do Jeff's um, uh, this week's quote for Jeff, and uh, every time you speak, you are auditioning for leadership. That's James Humes, okay? And uh, so people are not getting in, but they want to be here, and we've got a couple people in here that are, just uh, uh, like random numbers that want to listen. So um, anyhow, we'll continue. Um, so Jeff was going to read uh, what a union is and what a labor organization is from um, U.S. Code 152 and for labor organizations, number five. And I quite frankly, I think I've, I've been writing a lot of things in regard to our union recently. And I think I misquoted um, U.S. Code 151-2, and it's 152-2. So I apologize uh, that it's not 151, but rather 152. And I'll send in a, a, a correction for that uh, to those folks that have uh, gotten that. So um, having said that, uh, let me read what the, you know, the federal code says about what a labor organization is. The term labor organization means any organization of any kind or any agency or employee representation committee or plan in which employees participate and which exists for the purpose in whole or in part of dealing with employers concerning grievances, labor disputes, wages, rates of pay, hours of employment, or conditions of work. Okay, that means that's what they're supposed to be doing, dealing with employers, okay, regarding grievances, labor disputes, wages, rates of pay, hours of employment, or conditions of, of work. Now, as you know from listening to us over the years, um, Every agreement uh, that, uh, between labor and management has a management's rights clause. Uh, it's basically a, pro uh, uh, a, uh, a property clause because it's their company, it's their property, and they reserve the right to run it. And we like to say that they give, you know, we give them a little direction in order to do that. And we do that in a way that represents our members and yeah. Uh, also, uh, um, everybody wants to, you know, I mean, every worker in the nation has a vested interest in seeing that their employer is successful. If it's not successful, they're not going to have a job, okay? So the, the term employer, okay, includes any person acting as an agent of an employer, mm -hmm acting as an agent of an employer. Now, you're going to start hearing a little more about this in the future, so pay attention tonight to what this is. I am going to start reading that again. The term employer includes any person acting as an agent of an employer, directly or indirectly, but shall not include the United States or any wholly owned government corporation or any Federal Reserve Bank or any state or political subdivision thereof. Okay, that means that governments are, you know, uh, for the purposes of the National Labor Relations Act, 
That's where this is coming from, Title 29 U.S. Code 152. This is uh, two out of that. The labor organization is number five. And again, the term employer includes any person acting as an agent of an employer, directly or indirectly, but shall not include, you know, those things that are the government entities, Federal Reserve Bank, et cetera. So uh, you uh, become an agent of the employer if you act directly or indirectly on their behalf, right? Acting as an agent. My, my. So we're going to talk more about that down the road, and you're going to hear more about it down the road. But for now, uh, we're going to just give you those two definitions. Now, as you all know, we have uh, a union certification that's issued by the Department of Labor, okay? And our union certification gets its authority from a pretty familiar code, 29 U.S.C. 157. You've heard us talk about this regarding protected concerted activity, okay? But also it says employees have the right to self-organization, self-organization, okay? So that means we have the right to organize as a union. And that was done, you know, in 1937, February 11th. We, we were recognized by the corporation and then subsequently by the Department of Labor to form or self-organization, to form, join, or assist labor organizations, okay, to collectively bargain through representatives of their own choosing. Okay, that means that there would be uh, elections. And those, you know, it's implicit in all that, and there's case law on that, that says that this is going to be a democratic election and to engage in others, other concerted activities for the purposes of collective bargaining or mutual aid or prote- protection. It goes on to say you may refrain from any of the above, and, and that's where the right-to-work people come in, and of course, we don't support right-to-work around uh, our group here. So, um, uh, so that's, uh, that's sort of what Jeff was going to give you. Uh, there's some things that have occurred uh, recently uh, that have some folks very, very upset. You see, for the better part of four, five, six decades, uh, since the late 40s, there's been an administrative caucus. And they've had little to no opposition over the years. Okay, and the new, new Directions was pretty serious in the late 80s, early 90s, and they sort of waned, and there were some pretty nice people that really really cared about what was going on in our union and had some pretty good ideas, but they were viewed as, you know, outcasts and, um, you know, folks who were trying to uh, do damage to our union. But in the end, they were not. And these were very, very well-intended people. Uh, there was a, uh, a group that was formed in 2006 uh, in Peoria, Illinois. And I was a part of that. It was an uh, opposition group. And uh, the leader of that group had his family threatened had things done to his home, and uh, the email uh, and, uh, email block, you know, blast that we all participated in. There's about 30 of us from mostly around the Midwest, and a lot of these guys were uh, uh, being uh, uh, very very diligent in their efforts to. Uh, you know, reform our union 
and uh, you've you've heard some of the names on Facebook. Uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, persons actually looked like an uncle of mine at one time, my step uncle, uh, and uh, he's uh, was with uh, a local that got shut down, Freightliner Five. He was a member of the Freightliner Five, and he was with us. And um, in our email blast, uh, that was disrupted by a gentleman who continually posted about the Communist Party. And none of us were anything to do with the Communist Party in any way, shape, or form. So uh, the uh, uh, group started to just fall apart because of that, and it waned. And that was, you know, an effort by... um, a group that really didn't want us to be successful. And there was a lot of question as to whether or not that that person, I uh, weren't going to say any names tonight, but I have all the proofs uh, that that person was a part and parcel of um, uh, an effort to assure the administrative caucus retained in leadership. Uh, now we, we've had a couple efforts in the last couple of, uh, of uh, cycles. Gary Walkowitz openly in the 14 in 2014. I was uh, I had an emergency. I was intending to be there in 2014. Couldn't make it. And then in 2018, uh, we had uh, uh, Walkowitz and uh, Keller got nominated. I didn't get nominated for. A lot of uh, unfortunate reasons, uh, and I, you always look around to see who who was driving that. But it, it is what it is. Uh, but more recently, okay, we had a special convention for Region Two B, and a lot of people were very angry about this, and it's bothered them very deeply to the point that some of those folks are saying it, you know, they've started to develop learned helplessness, which is, uh, and not so much Stockholm's, a corporate Stockholm syndrome, but more than learned helplessness. That means that you are in a situation where things are happening around you and you're, you're actually uh, powerless to try and change those things. Therefore, you have to tr- just accept the the reality of it. But there are people out here that are not going to accept the reality of it and are going to continue to push for absolute democracy in our union because the actual law, the code here says we have the right to elect our own representatives. Okay. And, you know, that's by democratic election. Now, let me just tell you the result of Region 2B. The administrative caucus had a, a, you know, a decent fellow by the name of Blanchard that they ran. And the chairperson of Fort Wayne Truck ran, Rich Latoro, and he brought all of his delegates with them. And Dave Green, the past president of uh, Local Union 1714 and, uh, and virtually until it uh, closed, not quite to the end of 11-12. He was there for a little over a year, elected at Local Union 11-12. And 17-14 and 11-12 had merged, so they were both Lordstown Ohio local unions that's in uh, just northwest of Youngstown, Ohio and he had arguably about well, three and a half to four years or four terms so uh, I believe they've had something like 11 years as president or might be off a little bit but as president at one time the largest local union in the nation Okay, a little bit of experience. Dave has a master's, and he's working on his second master's. 
Those were the three candidates. Now, they was afforded the list of all the delegates, 151 delegates, and uh, the Lordstown ones didn't count anymore because the GM uh, certification or that part of local had gone away. Okay, but there's no more plant there, so they don't have amalgamated local. That part's gone. And so there were like 154, and I think they had three or something like that, uh, that they that they had at that time near the end of the the uh, the, the facility itself had gone. Uh, membership had gone, waned down quite a bit. So... Uh, David secured. David had secured a nomin, nomination, and he was nominated. Um, uh, and uh, of course, Rich Latoro was nominated by his uh, local union members, uh, one of the members there, and and he got the votes from his local union because he was he's chair there, so they they were loyal to their chair. He, understand that and David Green with a master's degree working on a second one with some arguably 10 11 years of experience as a very effective local union president got zero and the administrative caucus candidate got the balance now uh, there are democracies, so-called, that have such votes. You see such things in eastern Germany when they had divided. Uh, Saddam Hussein had such an election from time to time. Uh, you see such things in China and in Russia. The United States government doesn't have such elections where you have zero votes being cast for a candidate, but our union does. And that's very, very, very sad for a lot of people. Very sad. And it's indicative of the democracy in our union, or lack thereof. So, um, it is, uh, it was not challenge because you can't prove intimidation of a of somebody that you don't have direct proof of but it's not gone unnoticed by people in authority to my understanding that's rather rather uh, problematic something that needs to be fixed uh, the uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, we, we've seen such things as um, the FCA 2015 rat, uh, ratification vote went one way, and then it switched less than a week. Went it changed 26 percent, and it was passed. And there was dialogue on another radio show about how that occurred. And that we have that dialogue, by the way, uh, and thank you for it. We, you know, acknowledge the, the uh, other radio show, uh, the whistleblower show, actual uh, whistleblower show uh, regarding that, and we aired it once here. Uh, so we do have it, uh, and that's also concerning. That at that time, that's when I decided to get involved and try and make a change in our union because that is unacceptable. That's unacceptable to have that going on regarding elections. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Brown's not with us tonight. What Jeff Brown said last time the delegate elections were out there Jeff said 
don't vote for anybody who is elected or appointed. And it fell on deaf ears. Okay, and the same delegates that were elected in 2000, spring of 2018, are the same delegates that they had uh, at Region 2B Special Convention for the region. The same ones. Many elected and appointed. Virtually, I don't know if all of them, I can't speak to every single one, but, you know, they're, they're popular because they're the benefit rep or safety rep or chairperson, whatever. And so uh, they, they had the same kind of result uh, This with these uh, folk at Region 2B Special Convention. And the reason Jeff said that that everybody should not vote for elected or appointed is because of what just happened in 2B. You see, when you're in leadership and you sign a piece of paper that says you're given this appointment and we're going to put you in as an appointed person, whatever that, you know, you know what they are. You know the, the position, safety, and, and benefit rep, and ergonomics, and, you know, go on and on and on. You know, some of the locals have over 100 such people, document 46, and other contractual uh, appointments. So not to say that document 46 is not contractual, but there's other uh, specific uh, contractual appointments. So these folks, um, you know, they'd never want to go back on the line in today's world because it's not no longer a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. You know, they, these are reduced to slavery, you know, these jobs now. And the temporaries uh, have been reduced to slaves in the, in the workplace. And all kinds of things are happening to them. But let's stay with what Jeff said. If they cannot be pressured to vote a certain way or go back to the line, okay, then the delegates, you know, would be free to vote for somebody like David Green. Right? But if they're pressured, you know, Little, you know, innuendos, not openly, exactly, but, you know, look at that line worker over there. Look how hard he's working. Aren't you glad that somebody signed that letter to get you off that job? Because that's the one you'd go back to, isn't it, if that got rescinded. And that's what's wrong with our union. I've never, ever supported joint programs. I was told, be careful about my opposition to it, but I've never supported for a lot of reasons. Remember the definition of management? There's other definitions in our agreement that take it a step further to that step. So, Jeff has a major point about not voting for, uh, you know, elected or appointed people. So they can't be intimidated. And the, you know, I mean, even workers, you know, on the line, you know, you know, they can be threatened. I mean, we've seen it, you know, with our own supporters. I mean, you know, Jeff lost his membership for a while, lost his membership for almost a year, and two of his supporters, almost a year. We got a backbone. You know, it was a tough battle, you know, and had to go clear, clear to the public review board. So, you know, just being an ordinary line worker can cause you grief. <clears throat> So the answer is, how do you get delegates that are free to vote and just assess the candidates and free to vote without reprisals? 
and everybody I've asked that says the only ones they can't touch are the retirees. And the retirees are free to vote their conscience without being threatened or intimidated directly or implicitly. We'll be putting a, a group together to be running for delegates. And we're going to try and do our best to make sure that the next round of delegates are not ever intimidated in the way that the ones that just operated in David Green's election occur. And they'll be free to vote for whoever they want to. Without reprisals, threats, or intimidation. And I believe they'll be willing to vote for change because the people that remembered, one of the things we were going to talk about, Jeff and I, is, you know, how we were taken under wing when we hired him and, you know, just coached along, do this, don't do that, watch this, come on, we're having a party Come on, get, you know, build a little camaraderie here. Go over to the bar here. Even if you weren't old enough, they said they're not going to bother you at our bar. You know, and, and they take you out in the evening after work some, you know, Friday or Saturday. Say, hey, come on, let's go over here and have some fun at this place here. And they question, is he old enough? And he's old enough to work, work with us and he's old enough. And that's all that was ever said. And uh, nobody bothered about it. If you were a UAW member, you were accepted everywhere. When they took you somewhere, there were more seniority people. They just took care of you. And they didn't let management come along and harass you or, you know, give you grief. Just, you know, coaching you know, make sure you're doing your job. Most of us did. There's nobody in there creating hate and discontent. Something went up just a little sideways. They'd stick up for you and make sure it's all good. You know, today, much different. Much different. You know, and, and Jeff said, you know, and, and I too concurred, once we got seniority, we did the same thing for those people coming in. You know, sit down and say, hey, you know, just pay attention to us and take our lead and, you know, make sure you, you know, don't, you know, be belligerent or talking back to the supervisor and we'll, we'll get you there. So it's, uh, um, you know, it was a good thing for all new people. I got to tell you, you know, people that have eight years as a temporary, it's just unconscionable. And the Constitution says no greater than three consecutive months. Somebody in leadership just ignored the Constitution and said, oh, well, the new contract gives the chairperson a little more latitude and they can create these mini agreements that make it almost as good as their original 90 days. Almost as good. First of all, many agreements may not be made. Every agreement has to be ratified. Okay. You must abide by the Constitution. That's the oath of office that you took. First line. And the United, the laws of the United States, and to uh, work against any corruption. There's a hot one. Yeah. And the leadership says, "Don't say nothing." It's just when a local union regional director said uh, at a meeting, local union meeting, stood there and said, "Now don't be telling anybody our dirty laundry out here. Don't be telling nobody this. You know, we can't be saying anything." 
That's like the bully coming and telling you, I didn't, don't tell anybody I beat you up. Because there's some really bad things going on. And let's just take a look at those temporaries a little bit. What can't they get? They can't get unemployment or uh, sub if they get unemployed. They don't get sub benefits. Okay, they don't have transfer rights to another plan, although some of them have, which is kind of nice. But that's just a gratis thing. That's not by contract or in compliance with the Constitution. It's just not good at all. So probably got enough said about uh, that little piece of things there regarding a, a, what a union is. You know, it, it's to represent the workers only, to exclusively. They are, there's another section in, in uh, 158 uh, that says they are the exclusive bargaining agent for the members. Okay, exclusive means only bargaining agent. There's nobody else. Okay, and they must, in order to retain that status, must stay a representative of members in the interest of the members and not have the interest of corporation or any organization such like that, right? So uh, let's, let's just leave that there. Uh, the whole notion of a company union, you know, you can have a, a union that's leaning toward the company when they take it to the next level that then changes even that. It makes it worse. Um, and, you, you, you know, if you uh, actually say something along those lines, it's not so bad. If you take it to the next level, it actually violates some things. And that could be really problematic for our membership and the longevity of our union if they do that. Uh, so... And that's going to come to light pretty soon. You'll see more and more about that. And we expect a PRB decision on it. So eventually, we're still working. Remember, we, Jeff and myself and uh, uh, Tom, uh, we talked about the contemporaries, the Appendix K, and the retiree language that cuts pensions in our agreement, and it's bad enough it's in the law. It shouldn't be in our agreement. Right? So, One more thing, and then I'm going to kind of wrap it up here. We're uh, going to keep it a little short tonight. Um, there was much made of a recent public review board decision. I don't have the number, and I've asked around, and I haven't gotten the number. Uh, the people that got it aren't so proud that, that they even published the, uh, the number. Um, of the public review board decision, but uh, the decision came out on September 24th, and it said, in so many words, as, as reported, because uh, I haven't been able to read it, but it said that the uh, International Executive Board failed to discipline Dennis Williams. Okay. That came out on the 24th. Um, and there's been much fanfare. Oh, look what we did. Oh, boy. Uh, unfortunately, Williams resigned his membership uh, some six days earlier, September 18th, 2020. So notwithstanding that the public review board's given 30 days, you can't penalize somebody that's not a member of your union anymore. Uh, so that's, you know, just so much hot air in the end. You know, we got a decision, but it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless. So, um, um, two more things. I guess I, geez, I uh, got it here. Uh, Friday, I was in Kalamazoo. Uh, I met with Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist uh, with some other folks. We had a nice brief meeting. Uh, and then, uh, he walked with us a little bit, uh, doing door to door, you know. So, if you find your favorite candidate, go walk door to door, pass out some literature, make some phone calls, do something. I've passed out some um, over a hundred yard signs. Uh, I guess it's probably 120 uh, yard signs, lawn signs, if you will, for different candidates. I've got those out. 
uh, picked them up at the, the party headquarters. They were nice enough to, because I'm past chair of the party headquarters, they were nice enough to give me one of the first texts that they were available, got in there, and got them out to our team and others uh, that support uh, the effort here. Uh, we got they, they got those first. Uh, so additionally, the, some of you may or may not know that I chaired a campaign for Sue Eby in 1993, a long time ago, uh, and she was running against an incumbent clerk. I chaired the, the uh, campaign after the primary. She was down, I think it was 16 points after the primary she was down, and I uh, was able to uh, mount a team of people, and by and through that leadership of that team, uh, we were successful by 155 votes of beating the incumbent clerk. Now, two of the renowned election attorneys were in the counting center at the clerk uh, uh, office for the city of Lansing uh, at, at the, uh, the night of the count. Now, I didn't know these gentlemen. One was Tom Downs and one was Mark Latterman from the Pittsburgh area. Some of you may know that name. And it's actually uh, Latterman's Mill in uh, Mill Creek Park where my grandfather, 33rd degree Mason, uh, was the uh, superintendent of maintenance there for his entire career and lived in the park. But Latterman and Tom Downs were in this uh, meeting counting center, and um, Latterman and Tom uh, got their heads together and after the count went down, and they got on the phone to people around the nation. And we left that counting center about 2.30 a.m. And Tom, and he was in his 80s then, renowned national election lawyer, uh, and he called me about 8.15, and he said, do you know what you just did last night? I said, I don't know. I just ran a campaign. We were successful. You know, I had a lot of people helping, you know, and, you know, I coached the candidate. I have certain things that I do with my candidates that I'm not going to tell everybody because then you all know, right? We just want our, our selected people to be real good at it. And, you know, there's there's just little nuances in uh, but I, I really can't tell you. Sorry, uh, but um, uh, the uh, uh, he, he told me I've been talking to people in California, D.C., and Florida, Georgia, and you're the sixth person in the history of our nation to chair campaign to beat an incumbent clerk. That's what he said. You're going to have lunch with me at my table at the uh, Ramada. Uh, downtown near my office downtown Lansing at noon be there I'm going okay <laughs> and uh, so I, I was there and uh, we had a nice discussion about how rare this is well the important thing is that you know I had that you know you can read that in my bio but this uh, year in the primary we had a candidate that ran against the incumbent in a large metropolitan area, our township here. And um, our candidate for clerk beat the incumbent. This is the seventh time it's happened. And I was of counsel, close counsel on this race. And our candidate won by 72%, not 155 votes but by, she got, garnered 72%. So I'm, you know, I got another little notch on the belt there in being of counsel and uh, the actual uh, chair uh, has asked me for all my notes regarding the previous one. And I've yet been pretty busy here, but I got to deliver those to him pretty soon uh, so that he can get his own kudos. And of course the candidate is, uh, that Vic, the, that's that's one. She's now uh, elected. Uh, there are she has no. There's no um, 
Republican opposition. In fact, except for the House rep, uh, nobody in the township has any Republican opposition, and that's been uh, uh, waning since I kicked in and became uh, very active about nine years ago in our uh, township politics here. Uh, so I've uh, been been hard at them, and the Republicans now don't even run the field a candidate because of what we've put together here in the last nine years or so. Uh, and we've literally taken everything, uh, and now they don't even run. So that's that's kind of a nice thing. Uh, there's a lot of people that made that happen. Uh, but we changed our methods when I came into the township. Uh, I've been here a long time, but I uh, I got active about nine years ago. We changed our methods. We started running slates. We started using email, Facebook, and things. And you have to blend the old-style shoe leather with the new-style digital, and you can be very successful. A uh, little shout-out to – this is my last comment tonight – little shout-out to a friend I've known since I came to Michigan. Uh, he wasn't my first friend in Michigan, but uh, I, I do know him. He's from Harrison, Michigan, went to high school there, played football. I was able to watch him in the senior year play football. Really good guy, smart. Uh, and his parents, his dad was an oil well driller, worked for his uncle, uh, and uh, labor guy, labor background, uh, went out, got his degrees, I uh, got an MBA, uh, and he's taught at some of the universities. Uh, he's running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District in Michigan, and that's north of Lansing up to the Clare County, up to Houghton Lake, uh, roughly, and then it, it's quite wide. It goes clear over to Lake Huron in some spots. Some spots. Uh, and uh, with the 4th District, you know, if you live there, give Jerry Hilliard your consideration. I know him personally. I've known him for 52 years. He's a good guy. He has labor at mind in his, you know, at, in mind, and we need to get him in, get him elected. He's a good guy. I know him personally. I'm not going to get into the rest of them, uh, just because I'm not going to start a war with everybody. But I know Jerry personally, and I want to give him a shout out and uh, give him some consideration. Maybe even look up, look him up, and. You know, throw him five or ten bucks because, uh, you know, we need to try and help some of these folks get elected. Um, having said all of that, we're just under an hour here now tonight. I think I've covered everything I, I intended to cover. I'm sorry Jeff and Tom weren't able to get in here. We did have a couple. Uh, they've uh, uh, So the switchboard's empty. I'm not even in the switchboard. <laughs> So God knows what's going on with our switchboard. I just don't know. Having said that, uh, everybody have a good, safe week. Uh, I'd like to have a shout-out to our global, global listeners. i got to tell you, we, we made a, uh, a post for our website uh, so everybody could listen. If you couldn't, didn't have access, if you're in the plant or something, or overseas, you could come on our website and listen to the watch the debate. You not just listen to it; you watch the debate last Tuesday. Um, and you know, again, we wish everybody that's been affected by this COVID incident with our president, because there's going to be a lot more people show up here pretty soon uh, with it, probably. So uh, we wish everybody the best. You know, we, you know, in our country needs the continuity uh, of uh, you know our leader or his. Uh, Article 25, uh, Amendment 25, 25th Amendment uh, re replacement, if necessary, uh, to be uh, safe, okay, and able to do the job, so we don't get threatened by anybody else. So, but our global listeners, Canada, Mexico, United States, and uh, Union and non-Union listeners, uh, all our UAW listeners, thank you. Uh, if you found this show to be valuable, please just tell one more person about us. Uh, we haven't had a show for a while, as you know. We're kind of watching the COVID thing, and then uh, we we had a couple uh, weeks of someone was sick, and then vacations kicked in and stuff, and 
Uh, I took a couple weeks vacation. In fact, you couldn't find me on Facebook. I had something to write. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, that was very important. I've written half a dozen things since the beginning of summer that some are very voluminous. So, I mean, upwards of 140 pages, two pounds to mail that one. Um, stay safe. Have fun in the coming week. Please be careful and be COVID-friendly and COVID-compliant. you know, compliant. Uh, and be friendly to all of those. I've lost some friends over it because they wouldn't do their COVID proper. And I'm, I'm sorry about that, but that's the way it is. God bless each and every one of you. Good night, listeners. And Tom and Jeff, good night to you, even though you couldn't get in. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what happened. We had a couple in there. Now they're gone. I'm not even there. I was never there. So, all right. Everybody have a good night. We're going to sign off. Um, Take care. No, I'm in the switchboard. I don't know what happened. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, now I'm in the switchboard. A what? Pepsi? Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I find myself in the switchboard. You know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't in the switchboard myself. I don't know what the hell happened. My phone just, my phone just hung up. I don't know. I'm gonna, I, I, but I did log out and log back in, and that might have done something here. I don't know what the hell. Happened. I don't know. I don't even know how to end the episode now. You know, so I mean, doesn't even have the the stuff I'm looking for. Something's just dramatically wrong. So let's see, end episode. There, there I go. End episode.